Hey, you guys, welcome to Hash It Out. This is Lisette Escobar and my buddy. Andrew Luhar. How's everyone doing today? Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back. We have an amazing, amazing person to talk to, talk to us about her experience. And her name is Yanady Barrios. Yanady, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. We're excited to get to know you. And we want to we wanna hear your story. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, where do I start? Well, my name is Ana Yanady Barrios Lopez. Long, long name for, you know, typical Latina. Um, but I prefer to be called Yanady. I am from Guatemala, but I was raised in Napa, California. So the wine country. So if you want to come drink some wine, let me know. Hit me up. I got you. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, what else? I am an only child. Same. Me too. Quincy's. Um, I'm a double Trojan. So I went to USC as an, for an undergrad. And I got a bachelor's. I did a double major. So I got to be a in social sciences with an emphasis in psychology and contemporary Latino and Latin American studies. Super long names for some majors. <laughs> so, um, now I am at USC pursuing my MSW. So, yeah. That's so awesome to hear. So I hear that you're an only child, that you went to, to USC twice in a row and you're still continuing to do your master's there. So we want to get to know another side of you we want to know what your what your experience has been in the U.S. as an undocumented person Mm -hmm. okay well first let me share a little bit about my story of like how exactly I'm undocumented um I was born in Guatemala Mm -hmm. my mom was married to my dad so prior to before I was born my mom had been married like three four years and um, since the beginning of her marriage, my dad was very abusive. So my mom is a survivor of domestic violence. Oh, wow. Um, it wasn't her decision to come here at first to the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. She fled the household, um, you know, because she was there were many times where she was beaten to the point where um, she could have lost her life. That's wow. just bad and violent my dad was. And so she fled the household. She went with my grandmother. And she filed for child support out there. And what my dad did, he like, or what my paternal grandmother did at that time, she went to the courts and said, oh, my son is not in the country and um, he can't, you know, financially support her. Um, But that was actually a lie. My dad was in the country. Um, he just didn't want to financially support my mom or me. Mm. And so my mom's brother was already out here and he was, he was in Napa specifically. And so my mom had talked to him and he, and his wife said, Hey, like, just come over here and, um, we'll support you. My mom was going to come on her own, just, you know, work a few years and then go back. And she was going to leave me behind with my, with her mom, with my grandma but um, the the court. Uh, how old were you when the, when this was all happening? I was one, so my oh, mom left um, a few months after I turned one. Mm. Um, yeah. Um. So she left. She was gonna, she went to the courts to sign some paperwork. Hey, like, hey, I'm gonna leave like the custody 
my mom. But mm-hmm. the judge told her, like, honey, you can do that. But, like, if her dad is still around, he can go in, and take the daughter, your daughter away. And my mom mm-hmm. didn't want that. So then my mom decided to embark on a journey mm-hmm. um, with a one-year-old on her back and cross Mexico and then cross the United States to get to um, Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and I've been here for almost, let's see, we got here in 1997, almost 23 years, if my math is correct. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> about right. Yeah. yeah. That's such an incredible story. I hear hardship. I feel, I hear domestic violence. I I hear adversity and just survival, survival and wanting something better, wanting a better life and willing to go to any length to get that. Even if it means you're risking your own life and your daughter's life, but you're doing it for a better future. And it seems like that's exactly what she did for you. And it's exactly where you're at. And it Mm -hmm. seems like you've taken advantage of everything. Like you don't just, um, you don't just come out here just to work. Like, no, that wasn't just my dream. You know, I'm going to continue moving forward. I'm going to make my mother proud. I'm going to make this worth it. And I'm super proud of you. Thank you. know, thank you for sharing that. That's an amazing story. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. um, Definitely a lot of adversity, a lot of poverty as well. My mom, um, the hometown where she's from, her, her hometown, and just added a lot more words there. Um, you know, it's it's up in the mountains, so from where my dad lives to where my mom lives, she would have to walk like about let's say an hour, and and the the path is not like concrete; it's a lot of rocks most of the time, and there's like a I don't know how it how to say it in, in English, but it's in Spanish or at least in Guatemala they call it un puente de hamaca. So it's like those you know um, bridges that like rock. Little oh. So um, she would have to cross that because there's a, a river <laughs> under, and it's very very um, very poor. Like um, and you know she she grew up in a household of six so she's the first of five children and my mm-hmm. grandma also a single parent so there's definitely a lot of um uh need for money and resources and so my mom um she since she wasn't getting anything from my father she needed to find a way to support herself and and me so yeah she sounds resourceful and a risk taker <laughs> to make the choice to get out of that situation. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I don't think in trying to put myself in her shoes, I honestly don't think I would have done the journey. I don't know how the heck my mom did that. I am super proud to call her my mother. Um, you know, she's been through a lot. And um, even though we, we're still low income or considered low income here in the States, um, I think she's accomplished so much by on her own as a single parent and mm-hmm. has provided for herself, her mother and and me. And wow. um nunca nos has, uh, hecho falta nada, so we've never been missing anything. God's good. That. Yeah, God's good. That. Amen. God we have good. we have sim- definitely similarities. Uh you know, I'm, I'm only child, mom's a single parent. My mom worked five jobs at one point in my life just to make ends meet. 
And yeah, just she had to slay and grind just to put food on the table. And yeah, I know two different experiences, but I know we want to be there for our moms. For sure. I, I love this from both of you. I think mothers are very, very important. <clears throat> I hear the same thing that I, I see in my mother, a symbol of, of strength, unity, love, nurture. I hear that in, bo in both of these stories. <clears throat> and I'm so glad, I'm so happy for you to have a person like that in your life. Because there's, not, there's many people that don't have that. She was willing to risk it all. She had a lack of resources. She's a survivor. She's, she's a fighter. She's, she fights for, for what she wants. She wanted to give you a better life. And that's exactly what you've gotten. And just like her, I see the same qualities in you. And I hope that you continue moving forward in that way. You continue to push forward and use your mother as a symbol. Use that symbol to push you through anything. And I think I've been able to see that, you know, just to get getting to know you and your personality. I love it. I love that you're bringing this up. And I'm so happy for you to have somebody like that in your in your life. Thank you so much. You're going to make me cry. And I'm trying not to cry. But... <laughs> So, uh, what has your experience in the U.S. as a documented person? Um, so it's been challenging. You know, growing up, I, I didn't know that I was undocumented. Um, and my mom never hid that from me. And um, I just, I think there were a lot of opportunities I, you know, couldn't have. Um, mm. I remember growing up, a lot of my friends would go to Mexico. Um, so in Napa, there's not a lot of Central Americans. So a lot of my friends um, were or are Mexican. Of, or a Mexican identity. Um, and um, so a lot of my friends were going to Mexico or traveling somewhere else. And I didn't have that opportunity. And, um, you know, just being in the States as well, it's, it's always scary because um, for so many years, undocumented immigrants couldn't have a license. Mm. Um, you know, that was, uh, from my understanding, from what I've heard, Um, there was a time where they were able to get licenses and then um, it was taken away. And then until, you know, Jerry Brown came back a few years back, um, uh, they were able to get them again. But, you know, for many years, like my family um, drove without a license. Um, wow. It's always scary because there's always like, oh, like we can't go there. For <coughs> La migra está ahí. Immigration is there. Um, mm. And there's that family separation. And, you know, when I was Um, younger, <clears throat> I was uh, molested by a, a family friend that lived with us. And then at around the age of eight um, or nine, I don't remember exactly how old I was, um, I was a victim of sexual assault by the same family friend. And um, I didn't sh disclose that because I was um, afraid of being separated from from my mother afraid that my mom was going to be blamed for it that you know they were going to say or think that she didn't know how to take care of me and um you know I was that was also the time where you start learning about like sex and like how it works and so from my friends I started you know learning that too and how like a girl can become pregnant so for years um for years I don't know what went through my mind but <clears throat> I was afraid of getting pregnant, even though I wasn't on my period yet. And, but I still didn't, like, yeah. understand the concept at that point, right? So I would, like, tie 
like three up to three belts around my stomach I was like hey this is gonna help me I'm not gonna like get pregnant if I do like you know it, it won't really happen and so um yeah so I lived with that you know up until the age of 14 that's when I started disclosing I disclosed to my mother my mother for the first time and that was actually the first person I disclosed it to mm-hmm. um but at, at that time too um I went to a private high school. So I went from public school, like elementary and middle school, to a private high school. And um, I was bullied my first semester um, of freshman year. Why? Um, so now I laugh about it. But at the time, the movie Avatar came out. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I had really long hair. Like, my hair was past my knees. So I always had it up in a ponytail and, like, braids. And so I was always like, they were always saying like, oh, um, are you going to go connect with your trees or your animals? And like, they would call me Avatar. That was my nickname. Now I laugh about it, honestly. I, I think it's dumb. And, but at that point, like, I went from, you know, having all my friends that I went to elementary school with and middle school to then not having anyone I know. Um, also, sorry, there's like my family and the door is closed. You can probably hear them. My bad. No worries. But, uh, um yeah so you know have, going from like to a place of where I don't know anyone that, that was very hard for me so I was also um very suicidal and I attempted three times oh, man. Mm. um but God is so good like all three times my mom was like in the picture and she like stopped me before because of bullying that you because- were feeling because of bullying and I think you know everything was just hitting me at once like Mm. PTSD and all that stuff um and yeah but that's that's when I started disclosing that I was actually you know I'm a survivor of sexual assault thanks yeah I think I think that's why it was probably hitting you harder with everything else it was all the things that you had bottled up and I'm so sorry you went through all of that it seems like such a difficult thing to go through and hearing you talk about all of this, like, man, young Yanady went through so much and to be able to see, an, you know, another Yanady now, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you being able to overcome that. And that's part of your story. So that, that I think no longer will affect you, but it's something to look back at and say, I went through some hardship. I went through some some difficult times, but I've been able to come out a different on a different side. And now I'm going to be in a position to help people that have gone through the same thing that I have gone through. And I can't imagine what, what you went through or what you felt. And I understand that sometimes wanting to commit suicide, you know, I, I went through some difficult times in my life too, where that, that seemed like the only option out. And it's such a dark place to be in. Such a dark place to be in. The bullying, not you know, didn't help. It didn't help. No matter how silly it might have seemed back then, back then it was affecting you pretty bad. But, you know, I, I'm so sorry you went through that. But I'm so grateful that I get to see this young lady and I get to see your beautiful smile and, you know, rate, you right radiate through all of this while you're talking about it. And continue continue to push forward because you have so much to offer thank you you. was the um private school in the same area or somewhere else um location wise yeah it was in napa um okay yeah but you know it was just it was a big transition because 
Um, I want to head start, like, my elementary school is literally five, maybe 10 minute walking distance. And my middle school is like 10, 15 minutes walking distance. And um, both schools offered an immersion program. So, you know, learn Spanish and English at the same time. So a lot of my friends that I went to elementary school with, we went to the same middle school. And we went to the same program. And, um, but I, this high school I went to is um, a college prep Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, actually part of the La Salian school. So I don't know if you've heard of like Chris, the Christian Brothers um, schools. I, I don't know the names out there in Southern California. I know there's some out there, but um, I don't, I think there's a movie on like football, the football team of a high school called De La Salle, which is like up here up north. Um, that's like a, I guess you can say like a sister school with my school. Um, but yeah, so it was just a, a big transition, you know? So I was with a school in a school that was predominantly Latino, at least that's what it seemed like. And then to a predominantly white institution where there were children or grandchildren of winery owners or big company names and stuff. So <clears throat> they had money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I'm a little brown girl like you know poor <laughs> there I was there on the scholarship so <clears throat> um I I just I wanted to I wanted to transfer out go to um Napa High which is really the school I was going to go to if I wasn't going to go to the school but then they told me that I was going to get held back and I was like no thank you I don't want that mm-hmm. um so I just decided to stick it through um and my second semester freshman year I joined the swim team I'm not the best swimmer, but, you know, I had to do something. And then after that, I was just like, you know what? Screw this. Like, I'm just going to get through school, um, do my thing. Um, but I throughout, like, you know, although I was still being called Avatar, I was like, like, whatever about it. I, I, I started laughing about it more. Um, but I still saw the differences in, in the opportunities, opportunities and access to resources that, um that my colleague my peers at that time and I had and mm-hmm. although you know I was there on the scholarship I was still in a way given the um the same access to those resources but it wasn't really the same mm-hmm. uh, like for example um sorry for example um at my at the high school you, you had to pay for lunch like all the time <laughs> breakfast lunch so I was one of the students that um volunteered in the cafeteria to serve lunch and then in return I would get my my lunch wow. mm. and you know and um yeah you just always saw the differences and in, in the privilege yeah would you say that that was also a moment where you felt I have to work harder for this I'm the one that has to be putting in more as opposed to others and if if that's the way you saw it too do you think it's also shaped you into the person that you are um I think so I I mean I didn't have like a 4.0 in um you know every single year of high school or like beyond that because I know in high school you can go get like what 4.5 I wasn't like that was like an average student you know and I actually also didn't take AP classes like I was just wanted to get through school and like (laughs) get it done yeah get it done I just wanted to get out of there yeah Um, but I definitely think I had to work a lot harder um so at my school, there were something called like flex days where school would start like around nine nine a.m. and end around two. And on um, 
but from 8 to 8.40 or from 2 to 2.40 because our normal school day went from 8 to 2.40. Um, so those blocks, block time, it was like office hours. So you can go to your teacher, take an exam if you haven't taken the exam or ask for help. And so there were a lot of days where I would go to flex days or stay for like the late flex um, hour um, and do my work. Um, and even... Um, sometimes when I didn't want to wait for public transportation, I would just stay at the library my work until I got picked up um, by my mom or um, my uncle. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> so with, with some of the things that you were describing, I do want to ask this next question, question, and it's what have been some of the obstacles you have faced personally, academically, and professionally? I know it's a loaded question, but take your time with it. Okay, let's see. Um, personally, I think it's being able to, again, goes back to uh, my experience uh, as a sexual assault survivor. So I think being able to um, disclose that, I think that's an obstacle that has been, that has affected me at that point personally, because um, it's something I lived with for six years. Um mm you know on my own and I didn't tell anyone and um but yeah so I think that that's personally and I don't know what else I don't I don't I I can't think of anything right now um but maybe something will come up academically I think as an undocumented um student there's always that um obstacle of financial assistance Mm. um so California has the California Dream Act, you know, and it's unfortunate that not all states provide um, financial, like in-state tuition um, or support, financial support for their undocumented students. And, um, but California has the California Dream Act. And when I was a senior in high school, they, it was like the first year that they were gonna start implementing it. Um, so I applied to different colleges and I got accepted to all of them except for I applied to Stanford, but I applied I applied to it just like a for fun application, you know. <laughs> for funsies as one used to say. <laughs> um, so I got accepted to all of them except Stanford. And um unfortunately at that point um i didn't go straight to a four-year institution because of the financial aid you know a lot of the universities what they told me was oh this is the first year we're implementing the california dream act so we're still trying to figure it out we can't really help Mm -hmm. you much look for scholarships (laughs) okay (laughs) wow and so um because of that lack of support um, I ended up going to Napa Valley College, which is the community college here in Napa, obviously in the name. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> at first, I, I thought I was a failure. I was like, oh, I want to curse. I'm sorry. Uh, I was like, um, damn it. Like, I could have gone straight to a four-year institution, but I'm undocumented. Like, you know, F this, F that. Like, a lot of opportunities um, were taken away and um, but it's but cost effective I think it's cost cost effective if you yeah. went to, to your college in my opinion like, that's what I did 
Definitely. No, it definitely was. And um, I think it was, you, you can say, a blessing in disguise. So um, I was part of the Puente program, which is a program in um, a lot of community colleges across the state. Um, and for the way I was explained, the Puente program at that time was like a, a program to help you transition into college and kind of connect you to resources. And um, you start with the cohort. And yeah, like, I started, I guess you can say, at, like, the basic level of math and English, but I progressed with the same cohort, and we were there to support each other, and um, I'm still good friends with many of um, the individuals that were in the cohort, and I was also part of the EOPS program, um, and me. Um, I, I really didn't have to worry about financial aid at that point like the first year I, I applied to the California and I got money um, but then I um, took a leave of absence mm-hmm. in the app um, so I didn't use it for my second year and then I transferred out my second year and that's when that was in 2015 so um, in 2015 I had applied to like I think eight different schools. I didn't apply to any UCs because I was majoring in psychology and a lot of them wanted me to take like zoology and like all these other sciences. And I was like, I don't know why the heck I need this. Um, Why do I need to take zoology? I'm not working with animals, but you know. um, Biology requirement. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I took human bio. I took that, but they still needed me to take like zoology and like all these other advanced science courses. I was like, do I really need this for psychology? <laughs> and so I decided not to. So I applied to USC, Sac State, Sonoma State, San Francisco State, um, Northridge, Long Beach, Cal State LA, some privates out here. I don't know if you've heard of St. Mary's. Um, and then Mount St. Mary's, um, Mills College. So I applied to different universities. Um I really wanted to come to USC. So USC, one of my um, colleagues from high school, my peers from high school, his mom was actually one of, um, and I think she still is a like janitor, uh, custodial uh, employee at my high school. And since freshman year, she was very supportive. She kind of became like my mom at the school. And so he and I are, are really close and he got accepted to USC for undergrad as well but he was a spring admin so we were at community college and then he left and I saw all his experiences and then I went to visit USC you know I have family like my mom's cousins and stuff out there so I went to visit USC or like around the area and I was like that's gonna be the school I'm gonna go to just watch I told that I said that to my cousins and um yeah that's actually where I ended up going um but prior to being accepted to USC um I actually had already committed to like Sac State and I was already registered for courses because USC didn't get back to me till like mid-summer and uh, you know like once I got that acceptance letter I sent a deposit I was like I'm gonna go and I had applied to some scholarships I don't know if you've heard of the um U- uh, USC Latino Alumni Association scholarship Yes. Yeah. So I, I applied to that one and I applied to the Norman Topping Student Aid Fund. And mm. um, this was all in 2015. And so I had to do an interview 
for um, the Norman Topping Student Aid Fund. And in 2015, I'm a DACA recipient. I applied for something called the advanced parole, which I understand it to be like a like a temporary visa that lets you leave the country for humanitarian work or school purposes. Doesn't necessarily guarantee that you'll be able to come back in, but that's a risk that, you know, one has to decide to take. Uh, so when USC sent me the acceptance letter, like a few days after the Norman Topping Student Aid Fund, like called me telling me, hey, can we interview you? So we did an interview um, via Skype, a Skype interview. Um, and then they're like, okay, well, we'll get back to you as soon as we have an answer. And I was like, okay, well, there's a potential chance that I'm going to be in Guatemala um, uh, by that time, if, uh, you know, depending on how long it was going to take them. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going like jumping back and forth. I'm sorry. Nice. Um, for the advanced parole, um, you have to pay a certain amount of money, apply, and then wait and see if you actually get approved. Okay. Um, I got approved in like the beginning of July. And so once I got that approval letter, I looked for my flight, right? So then I had my acceptance letter. I had my Norman Topping Student Aid Fund um, interview, and then I left. And I was in Guatemala. I was with my mom's brother. One of my mom's brother lives out there with his family. And I was told that, you know, I got both scholarships and I was really excited. <laughs> so I decided to, um, I contacted somehow, made contact with Sac State while I was out there and told them like, hey, I'm actually dropping out of the school because I got accepted to another school. And so peace. <laughs> I didn't say it like that, but. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think you've you've always been a Trojan and I think God wants you somewhere and it's somewhere that you have no idea where you're going right now, but you're putting in the footwork, but I think he wants you somewhere big and special. So I'm loving this. I'm like smiling. I'm so glad you got those scholarships. I want to clap. I want to cry. I want to do everything for you right now, but thank you. So it's, happy. it's really funny. It's really funny because I was in the same position. I got into an MBA program before USC. And I was supposed to sign up that summer, and, and then USC accepted me. And I'm like, all right, Antioch University, adios. <laughs> I got to go to USC. Yeah, like, once you want to go somewhere, like, that's where you have to fight to go, you know? So it's like, you got to let go of something. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that Sac State was a bad school. Like, not at all, you know? Respect for um, Sac State, a lot of my um, peers and friends um have gone out there and but that's not the school I wanted to go to um so I come to USC basically with a full ride um but that year was also a year of many firsts for me so I left to Guatemala for the first time in 18 years at that time Uh, I met my father for the first time my father and I don't have the best relationship he's very machista and knowing the history between him and my mom and um also when I was little I didn't mention but when I was little um my mom and I were once cleaning out like my mom has this like backpack of documents for any emergency which is ready to go and in those documents um she had the divorce papers that my dad um filled out in Guatemala on his own and I was reading them and on the papers it said oh, you know, like, 
I don't have children with my ex-wife. Like, we don't have, there's no one in between. Oh, my God. And so that, like, to me, to this day, still hurts. I feel like I forgave my dad, but, you know, you forgive, never forget. And it's so, in the heart, that's why. Yeah, so it's it's been really hard because when I was out there in Guatemala, he was like, oh, yeah, my daughter's here. You know, my daughter that lives in the States, this one, this one, all my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. But then when I talk about it, like the situation and the divorce and why he had to proceed that way, he just says, oh, um, the attorney, the lawyer told me to do that. Like, he just told me that that will make it quicker. Mm. And then I come out with, why couldn't you find a different attorney? Like, why are you considering me your daughter now, but you didn't consider me your daughter then? And then why is your wife now, like, witness that you and my mom didn't have kids like it just doesn't make sense so that year was just um I met my father I met my grandmother my dad's side and I went to LA Napa if you've never been to Napa Napa's a small you know town the wine country so it's very touristy and then you go to I go to LA humongous LA County's huge LA City's also huge yeah. for me ultra shock huh ultra shock Oh yeah, culture shock for sure. Like for sure, and um, I was living like thirty blocks, twenty to thirty blocks from uh, SC. So I was living with one of my mom's cousins. And if my cousins hear this, if my family hears this, it's gonna be kind of I don't know how they're gonna take it. But um, one of my mom's cousins, and she's married. She has two children. Um, and they saw me like a, a you know a third child, their oldest child, mm-hmm. and there were times where I was at the house by myself, and you know sometimes her husband would come, and um, I'm a hugger, like, but he would hug me and then like kiss me on my neck, and so that like triggered a lot of yeah. you know PTSD. I and, bet. You know, also leaving my mom and being with, although I, that is her family, being with strangers in a house that, like, I didn't grow up in and all that stuff. Mm. A lot going on. And I was at SC for about a month. Um, I was also kind of, not kind of, I was suicidal at that point. I was depressed. I was homesick. I was at a on a 72-hour hold on... Um, psychiatric hospital in, on Sunset a Kaiser hospital Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's on Sunset if I recall correctly um, and I was there my mom then came from well drove down there from Napa and when I was in the hospital the doctor was just told me like maybe USC is not the school for you <laughs> I was like but but, you know like how are you gonna tell me that like, but and then in my head I was like you're probably right like it's probably not um so I ended up leaving I talked to the Norman Topping Student Aid Fund I talked to um the people at um LAA and I asked them if I can potentially hold my um my scholarships and I that I wanted to go back right and they're like, yeah, like, that's fine. Just keep us in the loop. And I also went to um, an office at USC. It used to be at the Student Union, but I forgot mm-hmm. the name. Um, the point is, I ended up taking a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. I attended a women's support group here at, at Kaiser. 
um, and and Vallejo, which is another town near Napa. Um, And that was just like my whole time here fall semester. I applied to schools, schools, some closer to home. Sac State was one of them, again. Uh, (laughs) And spring semester, I was planning on coming back, right? I was like, I'm ready. Let's do this. I still had, you know, already applied to schools, but I was like, let's go give this another try. I have the back of schools just in case. I was literally here for spring semester 2016 in LA for like a week. And then I left the, that first weekend. Like I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And at that point I was already, um, I was living at a house called the Gakase Kai house or the Gak house. And it's a okay. house for low income um, USC students. Hmm. And um, my roommate at that time always had her boyfriend in our room mm. so i felt like excluded Awkward. from my own room yeah but you know a lot of my other housemates were very friendly and were trying to like they they knew what i was going through mm-hmm. and all that and they were trying to motivate me and whatnot but i i, I really couldn't do it i was like i can't mm. like screw this no yeah. um so i left i took a i bought a purchase a ticket on amtrak and just Went back home. Yeah. Wow. Went back home. Um, yes. What What are the obstacles that you face today? Today? Yeah. Um, and not just, I think, hold on, I'm sorry. And I, I also want to throw in this one before you, you answer that one. It's how have you been able to overcome these obstacles that you face? And do you still face them today? Okay. So which one should I answer first? Whichever Combine them and answer them. Okay, I think an obstacle that I face today, I am protected by DACA, so there's not a lot of fear of deportation for me at like at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the obstacles is really my family and um, you know, always worrying about their safety and ensuring that they don't get, you know, in contact or come in contact with um immigration or anything. And um I guess personally also, um still it's financial aid for academics. Um, because as an undocumented student, there's a lot of scholarships at, for undergrads, but for me, it's been a little difficult to find scholarships for, um, myself as a graduate student. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I've been able to overcome all these challenges by really working really hard and connecting with people. I think that's very important. Something that I learned as an undergrad at USC, that, mm-hmm. um, networking is super critical. Um, and so being able to, um, connect with students, I've been able to find, um, some scholarships and, um, or been able to discuss like my situation with my family and and all that stuff. And so I've been able to create a support system. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, um, just whenever, if there's something wrong with my family, I have someone to, to go to and talk about it. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for that. Thank you for so much insight and thank you for being so vulnerable with everything that you've been telling us. Um, I feel very blessed to have the opportunity to hear your story firsthand. And thank mm-hmm. you for your transparency. You don't really hear that a lot from people and hearing that from you is, is big. And I know that it's going to help somebody else out who's going through something like similar to yours. But with that being said, I do want to ask you, too, what led you to pursue your master's in social work? 
I think, okay, so let me tell you something. I want to become an FBI agent. This girl, I think I'm good at doing my investigations. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, like, I'm for real. Like, I'm pretty good at, you know, searching things up. Like, if you need some information or some tea from someone, hit, hit your girl up. No. I will. I will. <laughs> no, but uh, on the real, I want to become an FBI agent. And I think, um, I unfortunately can't do that because I'm not a U.S. citizen. Oh, man. Um, until then, um, you know, my goal in life has also been to work with survivors of domestic violence and their sexual assault, especially within the, within the undocumented community, because there's always that fear of, I can't speak up because um, my partner's going to call ICE and I'm going to be deported. Mm-hmm. I can't speak up because I, I think it's always related to deportation or just also the stigma that exists within the community. Um, that if you seek support, you know, that means that you're weak or that means that, like, if it's a mental health um, professional that you're um, um, seeing, they're going to think that you're crazy, that you're sick, that there's something wrong with you. So I um, obviously can't put an end to the stigma on my own. So I'm, you know, with colleagues and um, start breaking down that stigma and being um, able to normalize mental health services be able to normalize um, seeking support and services and um, also bringing an opportunity and helping the undocumented community and um, you know showing them that I'm not there to be against them like I am one of them and um, if I do become a resident or a citizen at some point like also kind of tell them that although I have this privilege now I'm still not going to go against you like I'm not there to do that um I, I wouldn't want someone to do that to me now. I'm definitely not going to do that to someone else. I think then. Yeah, I think you really hit on something pretty big. The taboo that's tied to mental health or to looking for support, especially within the Latinx community. Like, that is intense. That's so big. And I know people. I've been one of those people in the past where I'm afraid to look for services or I'm afraid to look for, for a therapist, right? Because I'm thinking of all the stigmas that are tied to that. And I'm so happy to hear you say, like, let's break that. Let's break that down and let's help our people out and let them know that there is a different way. There, There is a way to get support, to get help. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're being vulnerable and you're actually being the strongest, the strongest you can be because you're at the point where you're, 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 you're at your breaking point and you're like, I need some help and I can't continue with this. So good job on hitting that. And I think you're going to do great. I think you're going to continue doing awesome and I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. And um, I think Andrew wants to ask you one last, one last question. Yeah, the last question. Ask what me. advice would you like to tell our audience tonight? Hmm. One, don't hate on undocumented immigrants. I saw a post on Facebook. I don't know if I can pull it up. Let me, let me look it up. Um, it had something about the word, the term immigrant. And I think that's very powerful because in the United States, there's, there's a negative connotation mm-hmm. on the term. And mm-hmm. so let me pull it up. Give me one second. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, I feel like you said just don't hate, especially right now. <clears throat> What's going on with our community and our state or na- our nation? Just we need more love. More love. For sure. I think you're right, Andrew. I see that too. I think we need to love one another. We need to build each other up. We need to stand with each other and show that we're united. 
I think what our communities need are unity, rehabilitation, and for the people that are able to be of service to be of service. And with that being said, too, I think you're being of service today, sharing your story, being vulnerable. Thank you. It's hard to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me, I got the, the, the image, so let me read Yeah, it. go ahead. It says, immigrant should never be a word that is synonymous with dangerous, unwanted, dirty, or suspicious. Immigrant is a word far too beautiful, far too impactful, far too cutting to be used in mouths too ugly to understand its meaning. And I think that's very powerful. Again, it goes back to that there's a negative connotation when it comes to think about immigrants. And even with, you know, the um, other communities of color, like there's always these um, negative images or perspectives um, individuals in this country have. Um, so definitely don't hate, spread the love. I think that's very important. For my undocumented students um, who are undergrad, maybe listening to this, or even master's students, um, or even just high school students, whoever it, you know listens to the podcast, I think it's very important to understand that um, although a door may close because of your status, another one will open. Like, never give up. Um, if I would have given up, I don't think I would have, you know, been where I'm at now. I'm pursuing my master's basically with a full ride to... So at USC, again. <laughs> yeah, you are incredible. <laughs> so you know, I think that just because there's this title um, to your identity, don't let that like um, hold you down. Always work hard, always strive for your best, um, and doors will always doors will always close, just like they will always open. And I think mm-hmm. that's very important to um, remember. But like I said, when the door open. Um, when a door closes, one will open. And before uh, we started the podcast, we started talking about storms and rainbows and sunshine, right? So we're always going to go through storms, um, difficulties, and we may not we may not understand why um, or you know what the purpose of that is. But at the end, there will be a rainbow. At the end, there will be a sunshine, um, and it's always going to be for the good in some way, shape, or form. Um, so always. Again, always just strive, share the love, don't hate, and anything is possible. Like Cesar Chavez once said, si se puede, y definitivamente si se puede. Love that. Uh, you know, yeah. Love that. Thank you so much, Eddie. Beautifully Go ahead, Eddie. Thank you. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us, and uh, I hope our listeners learn from it, something from you. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Um, I know I hit list that up. I was like, hey, if you ever, you know, talk about undocumented students or, um, you know, that topic, let me know. I'd like to share a little bit about my story. And um, I ex- I talked more about some of the things here and on the podcast, but there's also a video, if y'all are interested, um, that I did as an undergrad with a friend that was studying journalism and was working for... Um, uh, the Daily Trojan, but it's if you just search my name, Anayaniri Barrios, you'll find me on YouTube. It was on Me Too, so one of those plat- platforms. But um, you know, cool. yeah, um, it's a little bit about me. Um, just want to say the video asked if I identify as American. I definitely do, um, but I also want to remind y'all that America is a continent, not a country. So. Either way, whether y'all consider me American or not, I am American. Soy de Centroamérica, soy Centroamericana, pero um, 
I grew up here in the States, so I am as American as a U.S. citizen can be. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Please, you guys, make sure to check out her YouTube video. Please make sure to check her out. She's an amazing person with a beautiful smile, with a beautiful story. Check her out. Thank you so much, Yanady. Wishing you the best in life. May you be prosperous and live a long life. Succeed in everything that you want. Thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you guys. And thank you for starting the, this podcast. And, you know, a lot of um, individuals have shared their stories, some form of stories. And um, I've listened to a couple. And I know, Lizette, we have your story. You have your story on the podcast as well. Y'all should definitely listen to that podcast if you haven't done so. <laughs> and check out her video. Um, if there's a, if you should shout it out the video, like y'all definitely should check out her video. She's gone um, through a lot as well, but she has um, overcome all the challenges and look at her now. I know she's doing a dual degree. If I'm correct me, if I'm wrong, <laughs> she's doing an MPH, MPA. Yeah. MPH. MPH and an MSW. Y'all like, and Andrew, I think you're also a dual degree. I'm dual degree as well with gerontology. Okay, yeah. look at them, look at them. They're out here striving and thriving and, you know, succeeding. And now this podcast, like, y'all are amazing. Come on now. Thank you for creating this Thank space you. for individuals to come and share their stories. Thank you so much. And I just saw your FBI agent investigation skills. And um, <laughs> thank you so much for this, honestly. <laughs> Well, thank I you just winked at them, y'all. They don't, y'all can't see the wink, but I just winked at them. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the wink. First episode. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much. Have an awesome, awesome night. And you guys, please make sure to tune in. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank Fight you for on. Fight on. Fight on. Thank you for asking out. And-